everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are jumping right in today, right in. There's no time to sit around, no time to chit-chat with Stan. Let's go. Uh-uh, not happening. But before we do... Is something big happening here? <laughs> yeah, there is something really up. big happening, something really big happening. But hang on a second. We're not at the fair. We have to tell people we are not out at the Dakota County Fair. We are not in Farmington. We're really sorry, all of you people who went out to the fair to see us, the candidates who wanted to come on. I'm really sorry. We just couldn't work everything out this time, and hopefully we'll be able to do it down the down the road, but it's just not going to happen this year. So Stan and I are in studio. And yes, I managed to get some great guests to come in today. And you know, I don't have guests very often, so when I have them, it means I like them. So Jeff Johnson will be here shortly, and I have got a long list of things I want to talk to him about. You know how excited I am about the primary. So holy cow, you're, if, if you don't know anything about the primary, tune in, tell your friends, because this is a really, really, really really important election and you guys just have to have to tune in you cannot you cannot skip the primary all you people who call me up and say how do we get these crap candidates on the ballot you know how we get the crap candidates on the ballot because you didn't go out and vote in the primary that's how we get them so get out you have to vote on Tuesday or you can even vote on Monday at some of the some of the other places but I want absolutely no complaining to me about the candidates on the ballot in November if you didn't get out and vote in the primary. Uh, so today I'm having Jeff Johnson on. He's the candidate for governor that I like. I don't like the other one. I think everybody everybody knows that. Um, and I basically want people to think, who do you trust to, to lead Minnesota into the right direction? Who do you trust? Now, we know Tim Pawlenty was the governor for eight years. Uh, we know he used it as his stepping stone for his failed presidential run. We know how well that turned out. And then you know what? Then you know what? He disappeared. He disappeared for eight years. He did nothing to help Minnesota, nothing to elect Republicans, nothing to pay down the debt for the party. He just and I and I don't fault him for going off and making boatloads of money. Go, Tim. Go on, make boatloads of money. In fact, Tim, go right now and make boatloads of money. And I'll tell you, he's he's he knows he's in trouble. He knows Jeff Johnson is is giving him a run for the money. Tim Pawlenty thought he was the A-team. Ha! The A-team doesn't start up a website to bash a guy who isn't going to beat him in the primary. Think about that. Just think about that. Oh, oh, oh. and we'll talk about the Democrats, too. Oh, my gosh. Swanson. Talk about a, a campaign that has imploded. Oh, my gosh. And, and Doug Wardlow is going to come on in the 4 o'clock hour. He's the awesome attorney general candidate that we should be all be voting for uh just the guy we need in the attorney general's office we'll talk a little bit about that swanson race with with him because i know you won't see that kind of corruption when doug wardlow is in the minnesota attorney general's office and then we're going to talk about safe and fair and accurate elections ironically minneapolis somehow managed to stumble across 12 absentee uh ballots that were uh, authorized by someone who wasn't, and the Star Tribune runs an article about rare voter fraud. Rare voter fraud, my butt. Nobody looks. So Greg Buck is coming on. He's with the Minnesota Voters Alliance. Uh, he was out with us in D.C. when we when we had our Supreme Court hearing. Uh, great guy, ton, a wealth of information. So many great points. I want to tell you what. 
uh, Minnesota Voters Alliance is working on now. And this is unbelievable. And I'll tell you, the next recount we have, it's not going to be just recounting the ballots, people. It's going to be looking at who cast those ballots. And you're just not going to believe the, the, the things that Minnesota Voter Voters Alliance is working on right now. It's absolutely unbelievable. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jeff Johnson's coming on, and I got a long list of questions. If you have a question for him, you can call in to 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and everyone thank you so much for tuning in liking the music stan excellent work uh i am so excited the primary is right around the corner and i feel so good for we have a lot of great candidates on the on the right side of the aisle i feel so good for so many of them i think the republicans are going to win a lot of them and i think jeff johnson is going to kick tim palenti's butt and so i thought what, I thought I was going to be at the fair today, so I wanted to have candidates out, but I'm not. I'm in studio, and I still invited Jeff Johnson to come in. Hi, Jeff Johnson. Well, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We I were actually know. out at the Dakota County Fair, knowing that you weren't there, and talked to some people before we headed over here. So oh, it's good. good. Yeah. I hope there were lots of people there. You know where there are lots of people, Jeff? At your call center. Yeah, actually, right now, we just talked to them, and they, they don't have enough phones right now for people to call on, so people are actually using their cell phones. So it's wow. awesome. And we've been seeing this for several weeks, frankly, since Tim's attack ad went on, that volunteers and contributors are coming Coming out of the woodwork, so it's been it. it's been good. I love it. it <laughs> thank you, Stan. It it has been good. Um, I think I know Tim Pawlenty's campaign is very worried about you, and they should be worried. I go out. I am all over all over the metro area, and all I hear is support for you. Yeah, we're hearing it too. I, we just we've been outside the Twin Cities for six straight days. We just got back last night, and uh, we're hearing that everywhere. There's this energy right now, and I, I, what I'm hearing from people is not necessarily about me. What they're saying is, hey, in 2016, we pushed back and told the establishment they don't get to pick our candidate anymore, and we're right. going to do it again in right. 2018. And that is very encouraging. We're hearing a lot of that. Very encouraging. Okay, so NPR has this interactive website thing where you you can answer yeah they they have a an issue and then they have answers and you're supposed to pick who you line up with the best and then it moves all the way forward and then at the end a picture pops up of who you align with jeff i aligned with you it wasn't aaron murphy no no well i had an unfair advantage because i could tell most of your quotes well (laughs) i mean that that was the thing because i took it and I also aligned with me, but it was some of those. Some of the questions, though, were ridiculous. Yeah, they asked whether you're essentially uh, support a woman's right to choose or you're against uh, women's rights. Right. I mean, they just they were very. The abortion question was unbelievable, and I put it up on Facebook, and I got a lot of feedback on (laughs) uh, on that too. Crazy, Um, and then I'm I I just. 
Um, I'm just really, really excited about your campaign. I feel like you're really a different candidate this time. Do you feel like you're a different candidate? Yeah, you know, I feel maybe part of it is just the energy out there and, I, frankly, the expectation of people. that Donald Trump trained something. No matter what people think of Donald Trump, he really changed the expectation that people have of candidates. They don't want candidates who are cautious all the time you know you don't want to be reckless but they they just want you to say what you think and they might not agree with you they might even call you names for it but they appreciate it in the end i i compare it to paul wellstone you know he was so out of step with the state but so many people loved him because they knew exactly where he stood and i think they're just hungry for something like that i think they're hungry for it too and i think you know after eight long years of dayton i think they're just sick of it and i i really don't feel like other than the party faithful um, the rabid party faithful. I just, I, I, for your average Democrat, they're not excited about the Democrat candidates. They're, they feel like they're too, they've moved so far to the left, they don't even recognize them anymore. And what's interesting in this primary, you're seeing huge voter turnout in the primary in Hennepin County and yeah. Minneapolis, in um, Olmstead County and Rochester, and up in CD8. Yeah, and that is a that's a that's a good sign if you are a far leftist, I think. And, you know, it's a good sign probably for Aaron Murphy. Who knows what will happen there? But I, I, am, I am hearing the same thing, even from Democrats. There's not really a lot of excitement or energy. And one thing I am hearing, four years ago I heard, you know, things are going okay in Minnesota. Why do we switch horses in midstream? Just across the board, people are tired of what's happening in government right now. And it's not just conservatives. And that is that bodes really well for us. Okay, so after you win on Tuesday, the Democrats are planning a big uh, unity rally. After you win on Tuesday, are we having a big unity rally? I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe we might need a day or two, but then yes, I suspect. I mean, if Tim wins, I will support him, and he has said if I win, he'll support me. So we, do you believe that I, he will be so out of here, he will be gone, and we'll never see him again? I'm going to believe that he will support and help me, and because that's what we both said. So okay. Here, Jeff Johnson and I disagree. We disagree. <laughs> Jeff's taking the high road, and he's saying that that Tim will will be at the unity event, and I'm saying he will be out of here so fast, just like last time. We'll never see him again. Well, I just I'm going to hold out hope for this, and, right. I, and I hope you're wrong, and I'm right this time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm never wrong when it comes to him. So, okay, we have all kinds of issues that people want to. Uh, that well that I wrote down that I want to talk about. Um, do you mind if we get into into some awesome. of these issues? And do you remember when Stan interviewed you on the outdoor show a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago? ago? Yep. Such a great show. I really really enjoyed it. It was fun listening to you talk to Stan and Stan to get his first opportunity to talk to a, a politician. Yeah. No, it was it was really fun and and you know it was an outdoor show rather than a political show. But right. they, both these guys were just they were having a good time and made it easy on me. So I appreciated it. Well Kudak on Kudak's on the phone and that's his co host. Oh, and yeah. he he has a question for you, so Great. I know it's gonna be a tough one. <laughs> hey buddy, how you doing? Good, good, good. How about yourself, <laughs> Sue? Are you are you are you staying and and not giving him a hard time? Oh, I, I'm going to get into the hard time. But when I saw your name pop up, I thought, oh man, this is perfect. He'll start out with a super hard question. Well, you know, I I I, I watch the TV once in a while, and I I see these 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 ones that are running against them from the Democratic Party, and that one is she's she's so far against uh, the NRA. Oh, and all this stuff. Aaron Murphy, and, yeah. And, and, and we live in Minnesota. We hunt, we fish. You know, that's 
you know, everybody in Minnesota, you know, where I, where I live up here in central Minnesota, we hunt and fish. I mean, our kids hunt and fish. Our grandkids hunt and fish. Where do you stand on the NRA? Where do I stand on the NRA? Well, I, I am a member of the NRA, and I have always been endorsed by the NRA in the past. And, you know, the Second Amendment actually matters a lot to me, and that is a difference between Tim Pawlenty and me. We, I think we both have decent scores with the NRA, but I've been really out front. In fact, we put an op-ed out a couple weeks ago, and, and everybody's head exploded because you're not supposed to say this. But I said I will veto any new gun restrictions as governor. Even Thank the, you. Even the ones that sound good, even the ones that are, quote, common ground or common sense, because they don't solve any problem. And what they do is they allow us to ignore some really difficult issues that we should be talking to, like what's happening to some of the young men and boys in our society that they're they're killing people, you know, whether it's Look family breakdown, yep, whether it's mental health issues, whether it is uh, political correctness in our schools where they can't discipline kids who are violent anymore, whether it's the, the culture of violence that we have in our pop culture. We, we don't have to talk about those because now we've banned bump stocks and there won't be another school shooting, which of course isn't true. It's ridiculous. And so then there will be another one and then we'll have to take the next common ground reasonable step. So that is a that's a difference between us that I think matters to a lot of people. And one more question: we we touched this last time when me and Stan talked to you. Uh, putting casinos in the state, state-run casinos. You know, I, I would like you to, to hit on that but since you're sitting with Sue there. You know, it's it's you know it's just like uh, you know we talked about it that there's vices about alcoholism right. and drugs and this and that. Well, people. If they want to go get it, they're going to find it somewhere. So, you know, instead of the Indians, they got their casinos. Why can't the state have casinos to pay our taxes, put people back to work, uh, run some revenue in the state to get our taxes down, pay for our parks and our recreation and our. (laughs) Kudak, you got it. You know who you got to ask that? Mike Hatch. Because all the way back to Mike Hatch, he's the one that made that deal, and that's pretty much why we don't have casinos. Uh, We only have casinos on the Indian Reservation. I've had a lot of people ask me about that issue. It seems to have died down. It was a more popular issue before, but I'll tell you why I think gambling is going to become a big issue, because the Supreme Court said you can start online gambling now, and I think we're going to see a big push for that. Yeah, I think you're right, and I I have always been pretty squeamish about expanded gambling, especially state-run casinos. In fact, I have been opposed to them, but I'm actually the last year or two, I've at least opened my mind a little bit to talk about this because that, that compact that was negotiated, what, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's not working, and nope. it's not fair, and, you know, so I'm willing to talk about that one. I, I would never make a promise that I would support it because there are a lot of negative things that come with gambling, and I'm not a fan of the government getting any more money in any way at all, whether it's that or something else. You make sure that's your deal. If it ends up coming, they have to cut taxes somewhere else. Because remember, and I, and I know we're going to jump around to a lot of different topics and stuff here, but that new online gambling, thanks, Supreme Court, that's another one that 
they came in. We're getting 150 to 200 million dollars thanks to online uh, online uh, taxes for purchases and that kind of stuff. That's new revenue to the state of Minnesota. And I'll tell you, the Democrats, Jeff, they can't wait to spend that money. They can't wait. Yeah, no, I agree. And unfortunately, there are probably some Republicans who can't wait to spend that money either. And True. I think what we what we have to do is whether it's that or whether it's when we have these annual surpluses, we can't put that on the bottom line. We have to use that either to cut taxes or to replace some spending that that already exists. Right there. The Democrats are already looking at spending it on broadband for everyone. Why would you do that when technology is changing so fast? You're not going to need wires before we know it. Well, and we had, that issue came up when we were at a debate with the greater Minnesota cities. And, and I got up and said, number one, government should never compete with the private sector, whether it's broadband or anything else. And we have grant programs in place to try to entice the private sector. And, and I'm okay to, to continue to do that to a certain extent, but we're not going to spend more. And, and Aaron Murphy went, got up and said, no, it is government job to make sure every house, even if you are, there's nobody within four miles of you, every house has a line running into that house. That's preposterous. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. utterly insane. Yes. And that's, that's, that's what we're running against. I know. I know. That's why I can't wait till Tuesday. I can't wait to see who you have to run against. I mean, I think any of them are going to be interesting. And in the four o'clock hour, we'll talk with Doug Wardlow about the Swanson implosion <laughs> and everything. And I would say she was the front runner before. Now I think it's probably slid back to waltz again um but what if it's aaron and yeah. aaron murphy and aaron mcquaid yeah no that I, bring it baby that, <laughs> bring it that's my gut too is that Lori probably was in the lead but i i just don't know how she survives this and I don't either. walls is probably has a little more broad appeal certainly in greater minnesota but when you look at where the voting's occurring it's probably those are Aaron and Aaron people, and uh, that would be I'll take whoever. Right, doesn't matter. Bring it, baby. We're ready for this. Yep. I can I can hardly wait. Did you hear the Nolan story that I've been telling for uh, two or three weeks now? No. Okay. First, everyone's talking about what a sexist Nolan is and how he he has his own Me Too moment. One of the stories he liked to tell was when he was in the and you were in the legislature, so you might appreciate this. When he was in the legislature in the 1970s, they used to blindfold the legislate legislators, and then they would um, feel the secretaries and they would tell them whose secretary oh my it gosh. was. Yeah. And he used to tell that all the time. Now he doesn't tell it anymore. And you wonder why Nolan's nowhere to be found anymore. It's because he doesn't want to answer questions like that. Yeah, no, that campaign has put him in a room and said, you just stay in here, maybe try to raise a little money. But we're not, he's not being mentioned by Lori. We're not seeing him anywhere. And, you know, it's interesting because I was in the legislature from 2000 to 2006. And my background is as an employment lawyer and labor lawyer. I haven't practiced in years. But when, when I was there for those six years, I actually, gave the sex harassment training to my fellow members oh. uh, gratis and but we figured you know that's a little different than bringing in somebody and we never had any problems no i just have to say never did crazy isn't yeah. it just absolutely crazy yeah crazy uh let's take another phone call if anyone else wants to call in and ask jeff johnson a question 651-989-5855 651-989-5855 jeff you're on the air hi jeff welcome to the show uh welcome and uh Congratulations, hopefully, future governor. I have a good confidence in that. Thank you. But uh, I have a question as far as transportation. Oh, 
Oh, good. I... Me too, Jeff. Me too. Okay, I, go. I, want, I don't. I don't want any more transportation diverted towards anywhere light rail, train rail, hang rail, or anything. Let's concentrate more on roads. Yep. And uh, and figure out, you know, how they can do some. I mean, I don't know if it can be done, but the Department of Transportation seems lacking and behind. Where you don't have to have every road and every area torn up, so you have to drive on a balance beam to get around the city. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree. And I, transportation comes up a lot. And of course, the the question that I always get is, well, we have to raise the gas tax, right? And my answer is no, we clearly don't, nor would I support an increase in the gas tax. We have one of the highest gas taxes in the country already, along with almost every other uh, type of tax in the state. What we need to do is actually start spending our transportation dollars on those things that people want to use, yep. which are roads and bridges. And I think a good bus system in, in our population centers absolutely makes sense. It's necessary. But we are we are diverting billions of dollars to light rail, commuter rail. And now you know what the darling of the left is, streetcars and the trolley systems. That's where the, We're talking about tens of millions of dollars now to revive the streetcar system that was all torn apart, what, 100 years ago? Because because it was obsolete at the time. Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> let's, let's, no, go ahead. Yeah, well, let's all get back in our DeLorean and go back in time. <laughs> but I got one more thing, just one more quick thing. As far as winter goes, and I can't be the only one, they used to have a thing called a salt-sand mixture for the road. Right. And now they use just salt. Well, that doesn't do any good once it refreezes. I remember when they used to use the salt-sand mixture, and it was way better than it ever has been, which is salt only. You're 100% and, uh, right, Jeff. 100% right. You know what they used? Potato brine. They used potato brine. They used beet juice. They used. Now they they found out those didn't work, so now they're doing more research on other food byproducts. It's the most yeah, ridiculous was, thing um, ever. Environmental wackos, they called it uh, bad with the salt sand, but I, I think that should be checked into because I know I've been driving on the roads for 30 years doing class. CDL, and it was never, never used to be that bad when you used the salt sand. But I won't take any other time. I am. Thank you. There's no way I'm both that. I'm not going to say his name even. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Mr. Governor. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate your phone call. Um, I want to spend a little more time on transportation too, and I I want to talk about the gas tax because all three uh, Democrat candidates have said they would raise the gas tax, which is ridiculous. I had to call. Danny, your aide, I had to call Danny about something, and I was so mad because I was at a dead standstill on 694. And Danny says, hi. oh, I go, hi, Danny, it's Sue, and Sue Jeffers calling, and, and he goes, oh, hi, Sue, how you doing? I go, good. I go, I'm horrible, and when Jeff is governor, let me tell you about the DOT. They are getting the paint cans out. Get the <laughs> paint cans out and widen these roads. And I was just, went, I went off on a tangent. He's just laughing at me. He's like, yeah, I'll pass that on to him. I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. So now that he you're did. sitting here, oh, did he? Good. Yes, he did. Thank you, Danny. Okay. And the roundabouts, I want those torn out too. I want a law. You've never heard me say this before. I want a law, Jeff. No roundabouts on truck routes. 
No roundabouts well, on truck routes ever. Uh, I think about the snowplow drivers. I think about the fire trucks. I think about the garbage trucks. I think about. Do you know somebody just a week ago? Do you know a guy died on a roundabout because old people don't know how to drive on? No, and we see that. We're, you know, again, we're traveling all over the state, and for some bizarre reason, they are putting roundabouts out in the middle of nowhere. I now. know, not, not in the middle of the city, but just out in the middle of nowhere. And you're a semi driver, for example, trying right. to get around that thing. They, I don't know. They, were you on highway? 7? Well, yeah, I know they're on Highway 7, but okay. we were out literally in the middle of nowhere, and there was a roundabout right. out there. The, when, the, when the one on Highway 7 opened up, one of the very first days, a truck tipped over and the driver died. Really? And, the, and that was a roundabout. Yeah, I didn't read you know? about that. I mean, well, it was years ago now, because it's probably been there, what, five years? Yep. I, yeah, it's just, it's just awful. So don't think people can't die. But it's but how would you like the fire department to be on their way to the house? Oh, sorry, we got to slow down for this right. roundabout. Oh, there's another roundabout. Oh, there's another roundabout. Or the snow plows. I mean, it's just absolutely yeah. crazy. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about... Um, Driver's license, driver's licenses for illegal aliens, because every Democrat candidate has come out uh, willing to look at it or in favor of it. Tim Waltz said, yes, he'd support driver's licenses for illegal aliens. Swanson said she would convene a working group to have a conversation and balance and a balance to public necessity. I don't even know what that means. Uh, and Murphy said, I don't need a working group. I'm ready to act now. Yes, I'd give driver's licenses to illegal aliens. So when we come back, we'll tackle that issue. If you want to weigh in, 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. Thank you very much. Sue Jeffers with Jeff Johnson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. My guest this segment is Jeff Johnson. We're talking about issues that are important to Minnesotans. And I'm telling you, get out and vote in the primary. It's Tuesday. Get out there. Your employer has to let you off to vote. Or you can even go vote. Well, I guess it's closed for today. Um, but you can even go vote uh, early on Monday. All the different counties have places that you can go. I've been an election judge. It's been so much fun. Let me tell you, Jeff, people are voting for you. Yeah, that's good to hear. I know. I can't wait till Tuesday. I know you're going to win. And you've got you've got a very tiny little handful of people who think the other guy's going to win. Uh-uh, he's not. Well, and it's, <laughs> it's that tiny little handful, and it's bigger than that. But it is, unfortunately, it's everybody who is either writing in the newspaper or or contributing large dollars or running the government right now. And it, or Tim promised him a job. <laughs> or that, too. But this has not gone the way everyone said it was going to. You know, we were supposed to get out of the race when he announced. That I was know. an assumption. And then when Thank that didn't happen. Thank you for not doing that. Thank well, yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a stronger candidate. It's why I did. If I thought he were a stronger candidate, because we have to win. Right. I would have gotten out of the race, but I just we don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. We really do. He, you know, he keeps telling everyone he's the A-team, and it's one stumble after another. And an A-team doesn't have to put up a website that attacks you. An A-team doesn't have to mail me flyers every day talking about him. Tim, I 
I'm never voting for you. I'm a never plenty. Well, they've spent, sorry, they, I got sidetracked. They've spent close to 1.2 million dollars oh uh, running against the Hennepin County Commissioner B team. So it, it obviously their polling isn't showing what they thought it was going. No, to. It's, it's encouraging. I know it is encouraging. I'm re- I'm really really excited. All right, let's take a couple more phone calls, and I still have lots more issues to talk over with you too. Lawrence, you're up next. You have a question for Jeff Johnson. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi. So, Mr. Johnson, A, I'm on my bike, so I pulled over just to ask you a question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, bicycle, not bike. <laughs> so I'm going to ask a question. It's totally G-rated. Um, and I'm going to hang up and listen because I'm going to follow up with a short note to you to see if you want to get together and talk through it. But during the last presidential election, uh, President Trump made two comments that really caught my attention. The first one was what his priorities were. And he said, my priorities are to myself, my family, and my business. And I like that approach. I, I don't think people will all be out there saying I'm in charge of the whole globe or what have you. Uh, the second thing he said was in Detroit, he said to the people, what do you have to lose? And that caught my attention, A, because that's where I'm from, and B, there's a whole constituency out there that continues down the same path with results that are not working. Amen with black Americans. Mm-hmm. So all I'd like to hear you speak to is not what are you going to do for them? That's too easy. But how do you or how are you going to speak to that? So I'm going to hang up and listen. And as you uh, answer, just remember, it's sweaty out here, but I'm going to pay attention. <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence. Thank I, you, Lawrence. Appreciate I, that I appreciate call. Appreciate the call. Um, so we actually had, I had a press conference either last week or the week before in North Minneapolis to talk about the issue of... Wait. Uh, minute they say republicans never go to north minneapolis you were in north minneapolis i'm actually in north minneapolis a lot lot. as a hennepin county commissioner right you know my district is west but i have tried to go out of my way as a commissioner to meet with people in north minneapolis who are community leaders they don't call themselves community leaders because they don't want to get in front of the tv like most of the quote community leaders do but they are the teachers in the toughest schools they're the small business people who are trying to survive on a, a violent main street they're the cops that work that area i've talked to a lot of them the last four years about you know what aren't what aren't we doing right because nothing seems to be getting better but we're spending a ton of money on this and some of the feedback i got is quite amazing and most of them don't want to n- don't want anyone to know they talked to me, which is kind of telling. But we had a, a press conference there, and I had several African Americans who were with me who had really heartbreaking stories to tell about how they grew up or their young adulthood, but they were all thriving now, or at least doing relatively well, because they found work. Work was the key for them. Um, and so we talked about the importance of a work requirement for those people who are able to work, not as a punishment. But because work is intrinsically good. Yes. And, and because it's, it's one of the ways we show we're created in God's image to share our gifts with other people. And it is the only way to help people out of poverty. Nothing else will get you there. So that work requirement and taking every disincentive from working out of our system, like the benefits cliff we have that says if you make X dollars, you get X benefits. And if you make X plus one, you get zero benefits, right. which makes no sense. Right. So let's let's work through both our tax law and through our welfare laws to encourage people to work and, in fact, in, require them to work or try to find work. Uh, and then also we talked a lot about education, because if if 
you are not educated. We know kids that drop out of school before they graduate. The vast majority of them end up in the system, whether it's the welfare system or, or incarcerated. And so we have to give parents more control over the schools that their kids go to, especially in those areas where the schools are failing our kids. Real choice is important, and I will ab- absolutely move towards that. But rather than saying, we're going to let you send your kid off to Woodbury, let's let these parents actually change the schools that their kids are in. Give them real control to actually, it's, it's called the parent trigger, where they can have a referendum as parents in these failing schools. And if a super majority of them say they have no confidence, they can remove the administration. Right. They can change the school into a charter school. They can move to a, a voucher system. They have control, and they'll make better decisions about their kids than anyone else will. I agree. I am so disgusted with Minneapolis and St. Paul Public Schools. If I had my way, I'd shut them down. I'd shut them down. They are so broken. They are such a failure, especially to children of color, that it is just absolutely appalling. And you talk about whether you're talking about their education, their proficiency in math and reading, whether you're talking about how scared they are to go to school because they think they're going to be shot. Hey, Education Minnesota, I'm looking at you. You broke this system. It's crazy. Well, we're failing thousands of children every single year, and they they don't get this time back. It's now gone. and I I, uh, I I share that disgust, but I have more disgust for the union than I do for the actual people running the schools. Because oh, I agree. They're, they're running the show right now, and they're simply unwilling to agree to any reform whatsoever, and we need to push back really hard. Can you believe we're out of time already? I cannot. I, I cannot because I have like 40 other issues to talk to you about, and before we go— are you going to give illegal drivers licenses? I, I will not. I don't. Thank I, you. I don't get that one at all. But no, easy question. I know it is an easy question too. And you know the census is a big thing too. Should we count illegals? No. no. And people don't realize that it's so important. The next governor is going to shape the state of Minnesota with with after the census comes in to determine you know how many congressional seats we're going to have. That is huge for us because it's very possible we'll lose a congressional seat. So redistricting is going to be. We need a fair redistricting, right. and that's what I can promise. I can guarantee you if the DFL wins, we will not have a fair redistricting. Single subject rule? Absolutely. <laughs> Article 4, you. Section 17, and I will veto any garbage bill that does not meet that requirement, regardless of which party sends it to Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so sorry we're out of time. So, Jeff, tell me, if people want to get more information, of, well, they can head over to Golden Valley and make phone calls right now if they want to, to his office. But if they want to uh, get more information on from you or if they want to know where you stand on something or if they want to send you a really big fat check. Well, how or a they? little one. Yeah. Johnson, or a little one. Johnsonforgovernor.org. And we are truly We don't just say we're a grassroots campaign. We are a grassroots campaign. So I just encourage anybody who's supportive to talk to as many friends as they can and uh, make sure you get out and vote. Get out and vote on Tuesday or Monday. You can vote either one of those. Either one works. I know. So thank you so much, Jeff. I'm. You're gonna. You're. You're hearing the prediction right here. In November, there will be no candidate named Tim on the ballot. (laughs) That's my prediction. Okay. I made that prediction two weeks ago. 
and I'm sticking with it. I'll write it down. All right. Thank you so much. I Thanks, really Sue. appreciate you That's coming great. in. All right. I know I could have talked to him for the whole two hours. All right. Um, make sure you get a copy of that. Go back and have your friends listen to it so they get out and vote for Jeff Johnson on Tuesday. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk to Greg Buck. He's going to tell us what's happening at Minnesota Voters Alliance. It is unbelievable what he's going to tell you. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. afternoon, everyone. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Now my friend Greg Buck is coming on. Greg Buck is really, really smart. He's a CPA, been a CPA for 35 years. Um, he's really smart. He teaches accounting classes and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, he came out to Washington, D.C. with us when we went out for our oral arguments before the United States Supreme Court, and we won! Yay! So he's been helping out at the, at the Minnesota Voters Alliance, and and I just get so irritated every time I hear Steve Simon, our current Secretary of State, who should be thrown out of office this November, talk about how the biggest threat to elections is cybersecurity. That is flat-out nonsense. The biggest threat to our election is ineligible voting. And Greg Buck was kind enough to come in and talk to me about it. Hi, Greg. Hi, Sue. Other one. One more. There you go. Okay. There we go. Yeah, you're here. Hi, Hi. Sue. How you doing? Doing well, doing okay, well. Okay, okay. So we had a blast out in Washington, D.C. We did. But Minnesota Voters Alliance isn't done fighting for us yet, are they? No, Here's they are. the new and the latest. What? Tell us about it. Okay, thanks for the introduction. Uh, um, with uh, mentioning uh, cybersecurity being the uh, number one threat to uh, election integrity. Um, but, Sue, before we get started talking about cybersecurity... Let's do something really shocking. Okay. Let's start by defining our terms. What That's... do we mean by election integrity? What do we mean? Well, we don't mean voter fraud. Voter fraud is defined as convictions for violating election laws. Oh, And we yeah. have very, very few convictions in Minnesota. Our Secretary of State cites only 19 convictions as a measure of how clean our election system is. But guess what you don't have when you don't prosecute somebody? Convictions. You don't have convictions. So in their world, no convictions equals no fraud. They don't even look. They don't prosecute. They ju it's just so astonishing. You know I'm an election judge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so back to election integrity. At its core, election integrity has three components. Encouraging eligible voters to cast a vote, accurately counting all of the legitimate votes, and excluding all illegitimate votes. And from there, it gets a little bit more complicated, but that's our standard for election integrity. So before we get into cybersecurity, let's evaluate our Minnesota's system against that standard. Let's. Now, as you mentioned, you've been an, an election, election judge, judge for years. Years and, and years. years and years and years. So I may need your help a little bit. I'm, I'm here for you. Okay. So tell me, Sue, 
let's focus on two data points. I know our time is short, so we'll just look at two data points. Now, do you think our listeners know that in a general election, between 300,000 and 500,000 people register to vote on the same day? No. Let's repeat that number. 300,000 to 500,000 people register on the same day. The same day. The same day. The same day. These people get to cast a live vote before any eligibility checks are performed. They get to put their ballot into the machine and it's counted before anybody has checked to see if it's a legitimate vote. But they they do check to see if there's a that they're legitimate votes, but they do it after the election and after the election has been certified and a winner declared. How about that? That that just is unbelievable. And to be fair, the election judges are supposed to ask the people for proof of who they are and proof of where they live. Mm-hmm. And these checks that are performed after the election, Sue, I call that the stuff that goes on behind the curtain. If you right. remember the Wizard of right. Oz, right? And little Toto <laughs> pulling the pulling the curtain open. Okay, and the wizard saying, Oh, pay no attention to those, you know, that man behind the, the screen. Well, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the curtain. Um you know, one of the things that distinguishes Minnesota from a lot of other states, in fact, almost all other states that have same day registration, is that we have a thing called provisional or they have a thing called provisional ballots can you we do not have provisional ballots provisional ballots are uh, a ballot that well we have provisional ballots they're not used (laughs) so that there are very few exceptions for when you can use one but technically speaking if someone came in and like even as a same day registrant and they came in and they said, okay, here's my photo ID that shows who I am, and here's my electric bill that shows where I live. I want to vote. And we give them a ballot. A provisional ballot would go into a separate pile, and after they check to find out, hey, is this person who they said they were? Does this person live where they say they say they live? Then, okay, fine, here, here we go. But that doesn't happen in Minnesota. That doesn't happen in Minnesota. They cast a live they cast a live ballot. Right in with my ballot. Right in right with in my with ballot. ballot. Yes. And your ballot. Yes. And the remember, the validations aren't performed until after the election. So if how, ever. So how are we doing against that election integrity standard so far? Not very good. All right. Let's talk Let, about... I want to I point okay. that out. People, this is, we're talking about three hundred to 500,000 ballots. And, of course, some of them are the lady who got married. The person who moved. I mean, some of them are legitimate people who really, truly need to uh, need to have a same-day registration. Maybe their husband vouched for them or their wife vouched for them or whatever the case may be. But how do we know if nobody checks? That's exactly the point. So let's move on to my data point number two. Okay. Now, this is not the same-day election registrations. These are people... Uh, data data point number two involves people who have already been registered. Now, maybe they have, maybe they're new registrants. And we know that if you register to vote early enough, the state will run, I believe it's nine validation checks against a new registrant. And they'll check residence, citizenship, 
Um, are are you been, dead? Are, exactly. Those sorts of things. Now, if, if you fail one of those nine tests, you still, you still are registered and you will appear in the roster on election day. But they'll, because you failed a test, one or more of the tests, you will have a notation next to your name that says challenged. Now, in the last election, there were 26,000 challenged registrations mm-hmm. that had people vote. So 26,000 people who were marked as challenged, who had failed a test, got to vote. Still got to vote. Now, how did they do that? If, if Let's describe the process. They walk into the, the, the polling place and want to vote. And if you look on the roster and see that they're challenged, what, what happens, Sue? You've been an election judge. Then you have, well, in our case, in Ramsey County, we have to call the head judge over, and the head judge has to handle it, and there are different uh, things that they do for each of the different standards. But the bottom line is there's an oath at the bottom of it, and they have to swear that they're telling the truth and sign their name, and then they let them vote. Then they vote. Yep. And they then, vote. Their ballot goes in with yours and mine. Their ballot goes in with all of them. That's exactly right. And another thing that happens is that they get changed from challenged to not to, <laughs> to, to active and, and, and good, good to go uh, for future elections. But what do you think happens to evaluate? Those twenty six thousand people who were challenged and then uh, and then swore that they were able to vote and voted. What do you think happens to those people? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the legislative auditor reviewed the voter registration system, and these that twenty six thousand that's those are not the Minnesota Voters Alliance numbers. Those those numbers come from the legislative auditor. That, that 26,000 is from the legislative auditor, people. That tiny number that they looked at, the 612 people were marked challenged due to being a felon. And they could the auditor could only determine that 20 may have been eligible when they voted. That's unbelievable, folks. We got to take a quick break. We're at the top of the hour. When we come back, I got a little bit more for you on this. Greg's got a little bit more. Uh, I I know we're running out of time. (laughs) Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.